Hi, everybody. Welcome back to It's All Light. I'm Natalie Baugh. And today we have the one and only football star who played in college, coached in college, has his own podcast, just an outstanding person who's going to make us laugh today and teach us amazing things about life. The one and only Moose Bingham. Ooh, what a great intro. <laughs> I am blushing. I'm sure you guys can't see that on the podcast, but my face is as red as a cherry. I appreciate that intro, Nat. <laughs> We're so excited to have you on here. He's he's an expert in the podcast world, and he's going to blow us out of the water today, and I can't wait. Wow, just putting the pressure on. <laughs> well, Either it'll make diamonds or I'm going to crumble. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> it's going to be all right. All light. It's going to be all right. Totally. So Moose Bingham and I actually grew up in the same ward, but I didn't really know him because he's a few years older than me. I know his family, though. And then we randomly connected when I was posting on Instagram about my planner and how I'm so particular with what planner I use and how it's laid out and everything. And he commented that, hey, you should talk to my wife because she's obsessed with this, too. So then me and his wife became connected and we've become great friends. And we not only talk about planners, but we talk about how we had the same major and the same goals and want to do the same things in our lives. And just it's been amazing. And then we've hung out with Moose as well and have just enjoyed reconnecting and learning about life and today moose is passionate about a lot of things you want to share a little bit about that with us sure i mean that actually cracks me up because my wife is always like moose don't you want to talk about planners and i'm like no but i know someone that would Natalie, <laughs> she would love that but um i'm passionate about lots of things i like football i like helping out young men, trying to figure out what to do with their lives. I like building companies. I like hanging out with my dogs and my wife. There's so many things that are great in this world that you can be passionate about. I don't know why there's a reason to ever be sad. Oh, that's beautiful. Does anything make you sad with that being said? Maybe yes. when your football team loses? No, I don't really <laughs> have football teams anymore. Oh, okay. Company, we... um. We work with so many different football teams. And then in the NFL, I've got so many friends in different teams. So I just cheer for individual players now. But what makes me sad, there was a movie called Wonder about oh, a little kid that yeah. for celebrities. It's a good that movie. Was it was sad. There was a movie called Charlie. Oh, yeah. Sad. So there, sad. Yeah. And then there was a movie called Hardball. Well, maybe, folks, he's going to make us cry, not laugh today. <laughs> yeah. Thinking uh, about these those, sad movies. Those are things that make me sad. Those three movies in particular. Well, I love that you brought up the fact that when we're passionate about so many things, like, it is hard to find reasons to be sad when there's so many reasons to be happy. I mean, even just, like, 20 minutes ago, I was talking to my sister, and she's on her mission, so we were just FaceTiming, and I just started crying because just... I'm in the crossroads in my life right now, and it was just funny that I do get sad a lot, but I'm so happy that I can have this podcast, and I hope others can can find the light in this and realize that, like you said, we have so much to be happy about. So you mentioned your NFL connections and football, and I know that's what your podcast is all about. His podcast, for all you wanting to look it up, is called Utah Preps Podcast, and you can find it on the podcast channels. And it's to highlight and bring exposure to top prep football players in the state of Utah. So he has college recruiters listening and and he just talks about life and football and the recruiting process. And 
it's really, really cool. So you should check it out if you're a big football fan. I unfortunately am not the biggest football fan and I want to change that because I know it's a passion for a lot of people. I know even my mom, like she loves football. So this will be helpful for me. Huh? Does your mom have a team? Um, the university of Utah. That's a great team. Yeah. That's one of my favorites. So I grew up, I grew up cheering for the Utes at football games. So when I went to BYU, it caused a little bit of a, a little bit of a ruckus, but it's all right. I was the opposite. Me going to Utah caused an upheaval in my family because my parents met at BYU. My sister was a head cheerleader there. Wow. My brother-in-law was a team football captain there. And so it was a bold move for me to go to Utah. But I love Utah and I love BYU. I played at both. Yeah. So you played at Utah, BYU, and one more. And Snow College. And then you coached at all three of those as well. I did. So football has been a passion since you were little, right? When did you start playing football? I started playing football at 14, actually. 14. I didn't like football at first because <clears throat> I'm like, this is a boring sport. They take too many timeouts. I was actually played soccer competitively all growing up. Oh, wow. But I was a very fat child. And so I found a sport where I could only run three steps and make a meaningful contribution. And I was really excited about that. So I was like, less work, more <laughs> applause. This is great. So that's why I got into football. The other thing, when I got to Alta, there, when I was at Alta, we ended up winning two state titles. And the average lineman on our team was 6'5", 280. Wow. And I line when I was 14 and 15. And so I wasn't even close to that. So I found a passion in kicking by kind of adjusting my dreams and figuring out what I could be good at with my physical abilities. Ooh, adjusting your dreams to fit your strengths. Yeah, I think that's really important. I mean, I sit down with people all the time when you were talking about trying to decide between this or that. I mean, I consult companies and kids all the time. And one thing I do with them that's really fun is I sit down and I write a date five years from now. And I say, what do you want to be doing five years from now? Mm-hmm. And some of these kids will be like, I want to be married. I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to be playing in the NFL or I want to be playing in college or a company wants $3 million in sales. And so we break everything down from what their goals are five years from now to make attainable goals for what they're doing. And I kind of did that in high school by accident by seeing we had a wall where it had the first team all staters and my whole goal of high school wasn't to go to college it was just to get first team all state so I could be on the wall in our weight room and I was able to accomplish that but I wish I would have shot a little bit higher Hmm. fun fact I would go work out in that weight room for track workouts and I think I saw you up on that wall (laughs) fun Alta High connection But yeah, yeah, no, I think back to my high school cross country days and my motive was purely for fun. And I, if I had a different mindset though, I think I could have been a lot faster and accomplished a lot more, which now that I know that now I'm trying harder to be be better at running. But yeah, I think, I think that's just one of the learning curves we go through, huh? Yeah, for sure. And it's, it's interesting doing that. I mean, I did that with I I teach kicking lessons and one of the kids that I teach, he was like, Hey, I want to get a division one scholarship. I want to do this. I want to do that. 
And we're going over that in eighth grade. And by the time he hit going into his sophomore year, he was already committed to a division one school. Wow. He's ready to go. So it's crazy. He still has three more years of high school football before he even like attempts a kick at the college level. And he already has all of his school paid for and everything. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. So crazy. what helps you find this driving factor in what you do? The driving factor in what I do in what portion of my life? Let's start with football. Like maybe back, like go back to that mentality. What drove you then? And then we can talk about now and where you're at. Um, what drove me in football when I was playing was I really was competitive with myself and I wanted to find a way to maximize my abilities on and off the football field. What I liked about football was it gave me the ability to connect with all sorts of businesses, all sorts of people. So I really used football and I didn't let football use me. So by using that platform that was given to me by all my schools, I was able to make incredible business connections to what I'm doing now. And so that's been fun for me that you don't just use the vessel you're in for what's going on immediately. You got to find ways to connect with people so that it really slingshots you into what you want to be doing in the future. Oh, I love that. That's going to be a quote on the Instagram page because that was so profound. (laughs) Really like that. So tell us what you do now. So right now I'm the VP of sales for a company called War Room. We work with college football teams. We're a CRM. We also work with high school football teams as well. So we do roster management, equipment management, scholarship management. We go in and we program things for all sorts of different colleges. So right now our clientele are Texas A&M, USC, Cal, um, BYU, Oregon, Washington, Michigan, Vanderbilt, Duke. We have UConn. We have schools all over the country. And we've just been growing this. So when I started, we only had BYU and it's grown from there. Wow, that's awesome. So you helped start this company, right? Yeah, so I was the second member of the company. Wow. I started with my business partner, Randy Larson, and it was just being tested at BYU. And we started really going after it. And it's been fun because I've been able to consult with other companies in the space Mm -hmm. because of all the failure I've had, basically. I mean, yeah, my first year, I only made about $5,000. So that was testing on a marriage and a company and everything else. Yeah. What kept you going through that? Like, I feel like when things aren't going as you expect or they're lower than you expect, it's hard to push through. What helped you push through and see it through? Um, What really helped push it through with me was the potential that was there. And I feel like the impact we can make on people. So one of our secondary products is called Football Recruiting Pro. It's a program that teaches kids and parents about the recruiting process. Hmm. And that's something that I was really passionate about as well, just because there's other companies that go in and charge families three to $10,000 to wow. help with the recruiting process. And I thought that was unethical. Hmm. Um, but with War Room, I truly believe that we can get to a certain amount of sales in a year that will allow us to sell the company within five years and be make me and my family financially stable for generations. Wow, that's awesome. I love that you have that vision 
And I'm sure you didn't really see it as you were going through your football years, but maybe now in hindsight, you're connecting all the dots and your experiences playing at colleges and getting to where you are now. And now you're able to help people do what you did, but better, right? Yeah. I mean, just when you, what you were talking about, you were like, Hey, I have multiple options in front of me. I had the same thing. So I was coaching at BYU. I was also the on-campus recruiting coordinator there. And from that, I had some pretty incredible experience because in football recruiting, that industry has only been around since 2008. Hmm. So I'm actually at the forefront of that industry. And with that, I could have gone down the coaching path. That's why I was coaching at, B- at Utah, but a rule came in called the IAWP rule. And because I had recruited kids at Utah, I wasn't allowed to stay there. And I ended up doing kind of both for a little bit. I coached Mm. at college the last four years and grew my company at the same time. Mm. So it's interesting to watch. Yeah. Do you think it's, is it a pretty ever-changing field? Like there are different aspects every year or... Are there some consistent things you, consistent things you can count on? Um, in my field, well, in the tech sales field, it's always changing. So the rules change in football. There's so many different things that pop up. But I think that's just how life is. I mean, you have to adjust with the changes. I've watched companies come up and they're like, hey, we invented this crazy cool thing. And I'm like, that's just YouTube or that's just something that currently exists. It's not going to work in our industry. And so it's interesting to see what different people do and what they spend their time on. Yeah, that is really interesting. So you mentioned you are an entrepreneur. So not only this, but what other things have you explored and what helps you light that passion? Um survival initially (laughs) (laughs) that's a good one (laughs) yeah when I was a so when I first got married I was working three jobs to try to save up enough money to get this company off the ground and get going um because the first year I only made five grand so right after I got married I was working at a barbecue joint I was working at a um, RV rental dealership, getting the black water out of RVs. I was Mm. also still working at BYU as the on-campus recruiting coordinator, and I was mowing lawns. But I just needed to find other ways to make money. So one of the ways I made money was I sold, um, I bought a bunch of old BYU football gloves that if you put your hands together, it came up in a Y. So I'd buy those for a dollar, just used gloves. And I'd sell them for $30. And that gloves, like to... what kind of gloves? Like just like winter gloves? No, like. Like foam fingers? Like, no, like catching gloves. Oh, like football sports. catching gloves. <laughs> this is how little I know about the football world. This is good. I want to learn more about it because it is, it is a big part of a lot of people's lives. So many football fans yep. out there. So I sold those. I made, I ended up buying probably a hundred pair. So I made a good amount of money off of them. Wow. So it's finding, Um, finding something to make money off of. You have to just be creative and think of something someone else isn't doing. 
Yeah, so I did that. One of my friends, his name's Dax Eisinger, we both sucked at golf, and I've actually gotten better since then. But nice. we're like, hey, we want to kick it. And guys are funny. Like, we'll never just go, like, hang out and talk. But if we do an activity <laughs> together, we'll go do that. So like, <laughs> I was like, let's, let's start doing uh, garage sales. We were watching Gary Vee, and we ended up buying and, <laughs> buying and reselling stuff on Facebook Marketplace. And we'd go to auctions and buy things. And we ended up making a ton of money from that. And reselling items. Yes. Wow. That's really cool. <laughs> and so just different ways to kind of survive. And that's kind of how I got into entrepreneurship. And then and sales. I feel like any entrepreneurship is sales. Either you're selling an idea or you're selling, you're reselling. It's all about that sales thing. Huh? Yeah. And I, I mean, I had to sell kids to come to BYU when I was the on-campus recruiting coordinator. Recruiter, yeah. So, I mean, it's not the easiest sell in the world. I'd be like, hey, come to this place for the next five years and don't have sex and don't drink and <laughs> just have life run by these guys who may or may not care about you. But wow. I was able to change that pitch into come to a place where you can completely focus on what you're here to do. And that's football. Come to a place where you can get a degree that in your hands, it'll be worth its weight in gold because of the connections you'll make. Come to a place where you don't have to fake who you are ever. And you can just live your life in the best way possible. And by understanding that it helped a lot. Yeah. That is a great pitch. Yeah, I mean, BYU is a great place to play. Utah is, Snow College is, yeah. Utah State, all of these schools. I mean, it's very difficult because only 1% of high school football players will be able to play Division One football. One, 1%? Yeah. So if you want to play football at all at any level, it's about a 6%. We're talking D2, NAI, JUCO, D3, 1AA, and D1. Wow. But every school can only sign up to 25 guys a year. Mm. And there's only about 120 schools. So only about 3,500 kids a year get the opportunity to sign a scholarship to a D1 school. And up to about 4,000 kids a year will go to a Division I school for any certain amount of time. Wow. And then would you know the stats for getting into the NFL, what those stats are like? I know they're yeah. extremely hard. So of those about, let's say, 4,000 kids, 250 get invited to the NFL Combine. 300 make it to an NFL camp. Mm. Of those 300, maybe about 120 make it to their second contract. Wow. So if you ever Tough. get an opportunity to make it in the NFL, it's just insanity. Yeah. And you never really make money till your second contract. Mm. So you have to make it so far and then keep pushing to get further and make it. Yeah, the problem is a lot of kids, they're like, hey, my goal is to make it to college. And then they get there and then they end up quitting. I mean, my signing class at BYU, 50% never made it to graduation. Mm. So it's just, it's kind of crazy. They either transferred, failed out of school, whatever it was. And so it's very, very difficult to see. But what I like about football, it's a head fake. It teaches you teamwork. It teaches you accountability. 
It teaches you all the things that are not taught in school and taught in society now. Mm. So kids actually focus on football. They can learn a skill set that makes them more valuable in life, treating women right, doing all the things they need to do if they pay attention. There are knuckleheads out there that don't get it, but I feel like you can become a better father, a better husband, um, better son if you take football seriously. And I think it's a catalyst for society so that you can have better societies if the young men play football because these kids, they they have a lot of pent-up energy and angst and they don't have a place to express it. And the football field's a great place for that. Ooh, this is so cool to think about because, I mean, gr- me growing up with two sisters and then my little brother, he did lacrosse and I was starting to get more into the sports because of that. But what are some of these skills that you mentioned that these kids can learn playing football? Let's dive into those. So football is, I did ballet when I was younger. Oh, wow. School I went to called Waterford. Nice. Which was weird. Um, <laughs> but something you see in like ballet and dance in choreography is working as a team to get a goal accomplished. In mm-hmm. football, the same thing happens with every single play. You need every single person to do their job on each individual play for the performance to end up in a good light, to be honest with you. So with that, it's very interesting because these kids find out that they need to do their 111th. They need to do their part. No part is more important than another part Mm. because if someone doesn't do their part in what's going on, then the whole thing ends up getting ruined. And so that's a big skill for young men to learn, especially. And I think if you can teach these young men to become accountable for their 111th, they can become accountable for their marriage. They can be accountable for what they're doing in life. And that's one of the key things that I think football teaches that's kind of a behind-the-scenes thing that you don't realize. Yeah, that is really interesting. And luckily, I know how the football game is played, and I've played my own, you know, Thanksgiving football. and. Mm I just, I can see how those plays are important and how literally every person has exactly what they're going to do for each play. And then when all of those happen and are successful, then it, it, it wins. It works. Yeah. I mean, a quarterback can't throw a ball unless the alignment blocks right. And the receiver can't catch a ball unless the quarterback throws it right. And the quarterback can't get the ball off unless the running back is blocking or distracting the linebackers. And the tight, like, there's so many things that need to go right. And if one person does something wrong, you're in trouble. I mean, same on defense. If one person doesn't do their assignment and the other team scores, that's the end of the game. Mm. Wow. I love that. Do you feel like, like, you talk about how these life lessons help these kids playing football. Do you feel like you learned those lessons and they've translated into the other aspects of your life? Um, some of them, yes. I played a very unique position where I was a kicker and a punter. Okay. So all of those things came into play. But at the end of the day, everyone paid a lot more attention to what I was doing. So hmm. I was very successful at what I did. But it became very interesting to where I had to take 
accountability to my own actions. And my opportunities were so few and far in between that I really had to focus on my one opportunity and my one shot to get everything done. So I didn't have 60 plays like an offensive lineman. I had four. And if I didn't produce on those four plays, it just became a detriment to my team. Mm-hmm. So there were, I had probably probably six or eight game-winning field goals. So the whole game, after all these guys have been running into each other for 60 minutes, my one play determined whether we won or lost. Wow. So there was a lot more weight on that position versus, I guess, like you said, every role is different, but or every role is impactful and different, but like some, I mean, every role has a unique way of going about it and a unique purpose, but yours were like, had to be maybe more perfect in order for it to work. Yeah. Like more concise, I I guess I should say. Yeah. And it's always interesting to see, but that's what I've learned from that. I mean, today I had a huge sales call where I had one opportunity to get these people to sign and excited about the product. And that felt like a game winning kick. Mm. And instead of applause from the crowd, I'm getting X amount of commission on this deal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you can apply sports into anything and that's why I like sports because these young men want to get into it, but it's difficult because a lot of these young men, it's their only way out is what they see. I mean, I had friends that I played with that they're like, hey, it's either this or I'm going to go work a manual labor job. And they don't realize that they can use their brains. They can do so many other things. And when people are done with football, they engulf their self with it so much that a lot of these young men go through huge depressions and they... I mean, 70% of NFL players, once they're done with the NFL, they are, they've declared bankruptcy, they're divorced, they have a addiction to um, over-the-counter medicine, Mm. and it's just kind of crazy. So if you're not built upon the right things, and you're not going in with a grateful attitude every single day, Mm -hmm. just being happy that you're there you're going to engulf your self-identity into something that can be taken away. And that's always a rough situation. Mm, So that 70%, they engulf too much of it into it and don't translate the skills over to real. So I say real life with quotes, like real life. They don't translate it when they could. Mm -hmm. They just kind of invest too much into that one basket. Interesting. So like even... When I played at Snow, so I started my career at Utah, went to BYU for two years, and then I had a year at Snow, and mm-hmm. I had scholarship opportunities to go to Utah State, BYU, and Utah again. And I ended up, we had a really good season. A bunch of my teammates went to the NFL. One is now the highest paid offensive tackle in the entire NFL. Wow. Garrett. What's his yeah. name? Garrett Bowles. He plays for the Broncos. Actually served his mission in Denver too. Wow, very good. But he, um, it was really interesting because while I was at Snow College, I hit a game-winning fifty-one-yard field goal, 
and I celebrated with a teammate and I came down and I tore my ACL, MCL, two meniscus and I dented my femur and tore all the cartilage off my bone. Oh my gosh. Wow. And Just like being lifted up and jumped down or? I did a side bump with one of my teammates and he launched me about 10 feet in the air. Oh my gosh. Wow. And so with that, my whole football career was done in an instant. All those scholarship offers because I hadn't committed anywhere, gone. And even the girl I was dating dumped me oh. at that time. When it so, rains, it pours. Yeah. I was just like, oof. oof. She like came into the house. She's like, I just, I just don't want to see you anymore. And I'm like, as you're well, casted up and just lost that. I didn't do a cast, but oh. I was not weight bearing for two months. Non weight bearing for two months. Wow. And then your girlfriend dumps you. Oh, I'm sorry. Glad that's in the past, right? Yeah, but it was all for good things. Like after mm-hmm. that, that's when Kalani called me and asked me to coach and be the on-campus recruiting coordinator. Just so fun. Wow. And yeah, but if I didn't prove myself as like a good kid while I was at Utah, that never would have happened. Mm. Inter- interesting. How do you yeah, feel like you did that? At Utah? <laughs> my job while I was at Utah. I just wasn't strong enough. Will you repeat that? The microphone got covered up. Oh, sorry. Didn't you better now? You're good now. Okay, go ahead. Um, basically what I did when I was at Utah, I was very, very conscientious of how I acted. I went above and beyond to help my teammates out. I still am really good friends with all my teammates there. I just wasn't strong enough because I had just gotten off my mission. When I walked off my mission, I was 143 pounds. Mm. Where'd you do surf? I was in Orlando. Florida. So you just got home from your mission and you were playing at the U. Mm -hmm. And while I was there, I just, I talked to all the coaches. It was funny. One of the coaches was my little brother's little league coach, Sharif Shaw. Wow. And he's on um, the... Moms of Salt Lake or whatever. Housewives of Salt Lake. Oh, yeah. Is he the husband of the, the one of them, right? I think I, I watched like one episode and I saw their house up in Park City or something. Yeah, Sharif is one of the best human beings ever. So wow, I just became really good friends with like the coaches and worked my tail off and did what I needed to. I just wasn't strong enough at that point to really compete. And the person who won the job out, I was super happy for it. It was Andy Phillips. We were best friends growing up. And we still see each other all the time, even at like Treehouse and stuff like that. That's awesome. Yeah. I, so. I love that there's so many implications from this passion in your life, right? And I think that's what our passions do. They can translate into every aspect of our lives. And from having a hobby or a passion that we put in time and effort and sacrifice into, then we learn those skills to benefit other aspects of our life. In the last week's episode, we talked about the eight dimensions of wellness, and there's mm-hmm. there's lots of aspects that we're always working on and improving. And sometimes when you focus on one, it can automatically raise another one, and then like you're increasing all of them at the same time. And then the more aware of it you are, the more you're like, oh wow, like this could totally help me in this area and this area. Like being competitive in sports can help you be competitive in getting the sales and and excelling in your job. So. I think that is such a fun principle to learn. 
For sure. You always have to be conscientious of where you're going, though. That's why I like doing five-year plans with people, because there's an ancient Chinese saying that says the unnamed arrow never misses. But on the flip side of that, the unnamed arrow never hits the target you want it to either. And so Ooh. you have to understand where you're going. Like when I was, for example, when I was dating, I, um, I made a list of 10 things that were important to me in a wife. And it was like, I want her to be athletic because that's something that's important to me. I wanted her to be smart um, because I think that just like if you're with a dime that's dumb, there's nothing worse in the world. Just like, oh, um, I wanted her to be spiritual. I wanted her to do these things. And doing that exercise of looking at the 10 things you desire most in a spouse it shows two different things. It gives you what to look for and it gives you what you value and what you're working for. And so that was really cool. And then I found Kirsten who fulfilled all 10 of those things. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about Kirsten. That was one of the things you told me you were passionate about is your wife and she's incredible. So I think we should give her a little shout out. Kirsten's super rad. I mean, we met boating um, she was on a date with someone else, but I fixed that. <laughs> Guys, don't give up hope. Just keep going for it. <laughs> yeah, I actually had skipped work that day to go in and go boating with one of my good friends. And she was just super fun. One of my tests for girls is I wanted someone that was like LDS, but not too LDS. <laughs> so... I would always play a song called um, And We Dance by Macklemore. <laughs> See if they liked that song. Because if they didn't like it, they were kind of prudish. And I was like, okay, well, I don't want to be with you forever. <laughs> That's amazing. I'm going to link that song so we can all go listen to that today and think about this story. You don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I think I know that song. I'm pretty sure it, I do know that song. Yeah. <laughs> Kirsten knew it, and so I was surfing behind the boat, and I was just kind of, there's a part where you sing and then other people sing, mm -hmm. and she was singing with me even when she was on a date with someone else, and so I thought that was That's hilarious. when you knew. That was like, this is my dream girl. <laughs> yeah. Then I was like, okay, I got to take her on some cool dates, so I took her on a date with like the athletic director of BYU and all the head coaches. Wow. She doesn't get sports, so she didn't understand who she was sitting by. <laughs> that would be me, unfortunately. Yeah. But it is, sounds cool, honestly. It sounds really cool. We went to this, like, multi-multi-million dollar house and got peaches flown in from Georgia for peach pie and steak, and it was really good. So you went through the impress, be impressive factor along yeah. with your great personality. Yeah. And you kept asking her out and you kept, you kept just trying, right? And then what happened? Uh, then she dumped me. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. She, I had a game day. And game days when I was there was pretty intense because I had recruits and I had my players that I had to take care of. And I was in the box and I had a lot of responsibilities. And Kirsten was like, hey, can you meet me at Starbucks? Mm. And I was like, okay, I'll go meet you at Starbucks. What's up? And so I go there and she's like, hey, so I don't think we should see each other anymore. And I was like, okay, why? She's like, well, I'm not ready to date. And I was like, well, that's a really dumb reason. 
why aren't you ready to date? <laughs> she's like, well, I just got out of breakup. I'm like, okay, that's fair. And I was like, when did you break up? She's like, well, about a month and a half ago or so. And sorry about that. And I was like, okay, give me three dates. And worst case scenario, you get three fun dates and you get dinner and stuff. <laughs> Best case scenario, we figured it out from there. And she didn't know what to say, so she said yes. And I could tell she didn't want to break up, but she had other goals. She wanted to go to the UN. She wanted to do a lot of different things. But I was like, well, I think we work out pretty good together. So I did three dates with her. I took her to a Matt Carney concert, which was her favorite artist. Mm -hmm. I took her, oh, something really good was the second one. And then for the <laughs> third date, I took her to Lake Powell. For like a week. It was a week-long date. <laughs> no, I took her to Lake Powell for like two or three days, though. Still. And we went with one of my friends. Yeah. So you didn't give up. You kept using your persuasive charm as well as like helping her see clearly that it was a good fit. And and I think it's been so cool knowing Kirsten. She's so driven and she has a lot of goals and travel and passions. We're going to get her on the podcast, too, and I'm excited for that. But also you and your dreams and goals. And it's been so cool to watch both of you support each other in your marriage and both be able to accomplish what you want to do, what you want to do and have fun with it together. Like, I think that's a good plug for people dating is that you can still accomplish your dreams and have your visions and help help your spouse do the same thing. What helps you guys do that? Um, communication helps a lot just kind of being like, hey, this is what I want to do. And at times we're like, hey, it's going to be my time to shine or your time to shine or this is what we're, your thought process is. But if you have open communication, I know Kirsten, once we are financially secure, wants to go get her doctorate in, um, in I believe, women's studies at Oxford. And so something that she wants to do or communication or something. Mm -hmm. And She's like, we can live in England for a little bit and do this and do that. But she's super, super driven. And that's something that I wanted in my life. It's interesting because I dated girls that weren't driven and they're like, I'm just here to get my MRS. And I'm like, well, I don't want that. Mm -hmm. Other people did want that and happy for them. But you got to know what you're trying to find and what you're looking for. So that's yeah. one of the hard things is. A lot of people don't know what they're looking for. Yeah, I think that's a good a good thing to remember, having that clear vision. What helps you establish that vision in your life? My five-year plan. Five-year plan. So it goes back to that five-year plan. And then you can see the vision each year based off of that? Exactly. So in my five-year plan, I'm actually going to try to write a book called The Five-Year Plan. But Ooh. Stay tuned, everybody. It's about five years out. Nice. So this year, I need to write the blueprint for it, and that's what I'm going to do. But you have to understand exactly where you're going. So with me, I know I want to do a lot of things, but in five years, I hope to have two kids. I want to um, have my company sold by then. And if I don't hit it, I'll be ridiculously close. 
I want to, yeah. um, the goal for me is to get every single year is different. So I'm looking at my 2022 goals and trying to remember how they go into the five-year plan because I redo my five-year plan every year. So today I hit my goal of getting 10 new colleges on of war room, like major colleges. I'm trying to get to 15,000 on Twitter and YouTube. I'm trying to get $200 plus I've already hit that goal. Get five employees. I already got that. So got you have that in front of you. If you're not watching it, he's reading his goals that are in front of him. So, and I like how you said you evaluate your five-year plan every year. Yeah. I mean, you, there's a guy named Matthew McConaughey and love him. (laughs) He was asked who his idol was, who he wanted to be like by this old guy. And he was like, let me think about it. And he went back to the guy that asked him. He's like, my idol is who I want to be in 10 years, is the person I am 10 years from now. Hmm. And the guy came back to him 10 years later. He's like, who's your idol now? And he's like, well, the idol I have now is actually the person I'm going to be 10 years from now. Hmm. And he just keeps on doing it 10 years. 10 years is too long for me, so I do five years. Yeah. But I think it makes it so much more doable, especially with how fast the world is now with changing things every five years makes it very doable. And you're like, that's an achievable goal for me to get Mm -hmm. there. Yeah. With these goals and your vision set, I know setbacks are inevitable. How do you deal with setbacks? Setbacks are great. Setbacks are great. I mean, failing is just the best thing in the world. So one of my things I wanted to get school completely paid for. So I was what's called a PWO or preferred walk on. Mm-hmm. And one of the best things that probably ever happened to me was I missed one kick in my life that directly impacted the rest of my life. So I had just transferred to BYU from Utah. My first year at BYU, I was second string. Went through spring ball. I was named the starter out of spring ball. And then they decided to open the competition up. Wow. Um, going into the season. But I was listed as number one every single day except for one where I missed one kick. And I had made 93.8% of my kicks. Oh, my goodness. The other kid made 93.9% of his kicks. Whoa. And we would just battle the whole year. And that kid, his name's Trevor Sampson, really good kid, ended up being BYU's all-time percentage leader in field goals, which is what I probably would have ended up doing. But because I missed my kick, he ended up getting put on full-ride scholarship, and it lost me about $80,000. Oh, my goodness. That's a big setback. Yeah, But because of that, I went to snow, and then I blew my knee out. And because I blew my knee out, I started working full-time in recruiting. And because I worked full-time in recruiting, I met my wife. I um, started my company. I met the people in the company that we did a partnership agreement with. And so if I hadn't have done what I did, Mm -hmm. I would have a completely different life now. Wow. So I failures like, are cool. 
Yeah, I like what you said. If I hadn't done what I did, and when we think about it, it's like what you did is whether it was getting hurt or whether it's in our own lives, what we did is making a mistake, whether we knew it, it was a mistake or not at the time, like it all just leads us to where we need to go. So those setbacks technically aren't a setback. They're just like a little rivet in the uphill climb, huh? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's really good. I mean, your life becomes so much better, even in like dating and stuff. Like I had opportunities to marry a couple different girls, mm -hmm. but I'm super glad I didn't. And that's a story not for this podcast. <laughs> but um, with that, you just got to realize, like, what are you actually going for? And making $5,000 my first year at War Room, that is not, <laughs> I mean, you're married. <laughs> when I was married, made $5,000, my wife isn't really giving her stamp of approval of what I'm doing, you know? Mm-hmm. You could literally, I could have gone and done summer sales and made, I mean, if I really sucked, I could have made 60000 that summer. And she's like, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? I'm like, well, I just believe in what I'm doing with this other thing. Believe so, in what you're doing. Yeah. I just think it's going to impact people positively. So you got to take a step back and understand where you're going. And that's where five-year plans help. So to conclude our episode, our uplifting takeaways, at least for me, we've talked about a lot of things. So I've been thinking about kind of my one takeaway for today that I can have more light on in my life is I'm going to more clearly define my five-year plan because I'm deciding right now between two jobs and the more clearly I see where I want to be in five years, the more clearly I can see which job is going to get me there year after year. So that's my uplifting takeaway today. What's one thing that you think others should know about out of all the things we talked about? What's your final thought, Moose? I, my big thing, I mean, I had a teammate, his name is Jamal Williams. And Jamal was super funny because he's, he plays for the Lions now. And he was like, Moose, I bet I could say anything to you and you wouldn't get mad. And I'm mm -hmm. like, you know what, Jamal, you're actually right. Because I'm so happy at where I'm at in my life. I'm so happy in what's going down. I'm so happy with all the blessings that have been here. And then he said some things that should have made me mad but really didn't. And I'm like, the other thing is, Jamal, where you're coming from, you're such a good person and how you interact with people. I don't think you'd really mean it. And he's like, no, I mean it. I'm like, no, you don't. But if you're just happy where you're at and you look at where you've come from, it's really amazing to see. I mean, you're built upon the shoulders of giants, and it's way cool. I mean, my grandpa was a coal miner and a farmer. My other grandpa, he grew up in Vernal, Utah. Like, there wasn't much going on there. And because of their choices and because of my parents' choices, they set me up in a situation where I could go after my passions. Mm. So it's just fun to see and Everyone has those opportunities, especially with where we live, but a lot of people don't take advantage of them. So just be happy where you're at and then be striving to get to where you want to be. Be happy where you're at and be striving to where you want to be. I love it. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day, Moose, and sharing all this wisdom. I encourage you all to check out his podcast, especially those if you love football or need 
or have people playing football that want to get somewhere, like Moose is your guy and he can help you. And he's so knowledgeable about it and taking off. So again, thank you so much, Moose. And have a happy day, everyone. And tune in next week. See you later.